this. And before we get into the message, let me take this opportunity on this fourth Sunday uh, in the month of October, which represents nine days before the final vote has been cast. Uh, We used to say before we start voting, we have already started voting all over the country. So proud of what is happening. Over 60 million people, as I speak now, have already voted. And many more of you over the next nine days are going to vote in advance. I urge you, I encourage you to vote early. I urge you to go to a remote location. If you've ordered your absentee, get it back in. But go vote early. Amen. In case anything happens, your vote will already be there. I went this past Tuesday and cast my vote. And so uh, it is already cast. And we praise God for so many others. As I was standing in line, saw so many people who felt as I did. It was a privilege. It was an honor to be able to do this. Our ancestors they they shed it blood. They pay the ultimate sacrifice for us to be able to vote. And so we ask that you do this. We have a campaign here called High Five. And this initiative is to find five people and encourage them to vote. I have been so encouraged. I've received messages back from as far away as California. In fact, my mother told me that my aunt who lives in California told her to inform me that she is participating in the high five. Others have said to me, I've received messages from other parts of the country, people saying we've identified five people and we all are going to vote. Amen. That's our responsibility. And we are so grateful. So encourage others, pick up the phone, call. You don't have a right to complain if you don't have the courage to vote. Amen. Now, if you vote, complain all you want. You've got a right. You can complain and you can do something about it. Look, we all were touched by the marches and the demonstrations that happened over the last several months. It was encouraging to see so many young people out there, black, white, brown, yellow, it did not matter. But you know what? All of your marching would be in vain if you don't take the opportunity to change things by voting. And so we ask you now, you have taken to the street, go to the polls, amen. If you don't go to the polls, what you've done in the street have become irrelevant. And so we ask that you go, take someone else, vote, make a difference, and God will get the glory. This morning, as we continue this series that God has given us, entitled Seeing Others as God Sees Them, this series represents our theme for 2020. At the beginning of this year of 2020, we adopted as a church family a theme that was entitled Perfect Vision. And with that theme, we said that perfect vision was seeing as God sees. The first message of the year in January, the first series, the first message of the first series was entitled Seeing Ourselves as God Sees Us. And in that, we outlined several messages of how we are to view ourselves not from the perspective of others, but to see ourselves as highly favored by God, as being the head and not the tail, as being more than conquerors. And now, as we prepare to end this year of 2020, with just a few months left, this series is seeing others as God sees them. Listen, just as it is important to see ourselves as God sees us, it is also as important to see others as God sees them. Do not look upon others as you desire them to be or as you think they are, but look at them and ask yourself, 
Am I seeing you like the Lord sees you? And if the answer is yes, then you will see them in a godly way. This is the eighth message in this series. And our text this morning is found in the gospel that was recorded by Luke. Chapter 8 and verses 1 and verse 2. We are reading from the New Living Translation. Luke chapter 8 verse 1 and verse 2. Hear the reading of God's word. Seeing others as God sees them. Verse 1 of Luke chapter 8 reads, Soon after Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him. But listen to verse number two. Along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. And now this last clause of verse two is where the subject is found. Among them, among those women who went with Jesus, uh, among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. Among them were Mary whom he had cast out seven demons. We ask God's blessings on the reading and the hearing of his holy word. The subject for this eighth message of this series is very simple and is lifted directly from the text. Two words from the text, seven demons. That is the subject, seven demons. Someone at your house, wherever you are right now, just repeat after me, seven demons, seven demons. On last week, in our message on last week, the seventh message of this series, we talked about how having an up close and a personal encounter with the Lord can totally transform one's life. It was last week's message. We saw in that last week, we witnessed how a scorned, despised, and hurting woman's life was transformed as a result of a very personal conversation she had with Jesus at a well in a certain village in a certain town of Samaria. Let me say that again. Here's what we saw last week. We saw how one conversation, an encounter, even an unexpected encounter with Jesus, transform a woman whose name was not known. We simply knew her as the woman from Samaria. How her life was transformed as a result of a very personal conversation she had with Jesus. We also witnessed in that text on last week, in that gospel narrative of last week, we witnessed how this one woman's incredible testimony inspired many others to change their lives as they came to know Jesus. In that text, towards the end of that text, the people from the village came, they met Jesus, they interacted with him, they invited him to stay among them for days. And they concluded by saying, now we believe that you are the Messiah. Not just because of what we heard from this woman, but we have heard and we have seen you for ourselves. It all began 
with a conversation with someone that no one else thought much of. That Jesus initiated a conversation that changed her life. She initiated telling others about what happened to her. And because they found Jesus, it changed their lives. So, as we transition from last in today's message, we would like to discuss how having a proper relationship with the Lord can also change one's life. Listen, last week we talked about how having an up close and personal encounter, notice the difference, with Jesus. This week, we are discussing, we would like to discuss the value of having a proper relationship with Jesus. We have moved from an encounter to a relationship. Is what the Lord says. Last week, you saw the power of an encounter. Now you're going to see the power of a relationship. If you think one encounter made his life, imagine what a relationship can do. What moving from just a conversation, because as we know, those of us who are in relationships, you've had relationships, those of you uh, who've had uh, relationships that did not work out, what you have often figured out was that a good conversation doesn't make a relationship. If that was the case, then you would have some good relationships because some of you can have some good conversations with a whole lot of folk. And perhaps many of us, particularly those that are perhaps younger, have mistaken good conversations for relationships. There is a difference between a good conversation and a relationship. Can a good conversation make a difference? Yes. Can it make you feel good? Yes. Can it help change your life? Yes. But nothing, ooh, somebody say nothing, nothing takes the place of a relationship. And the Lord said to me as I was months ago putting this series together, he says, I want these two messages to come back to back because I want to draw the parallel. I want to show uh, what happens when, when an encounter becomes a relationship and how a relationship lasts for a long time. We lose track of the woman from Samaria. Am I right? The Bible never speaks of her again. The Bible doesn't say that uh, she was there at the cross or she had other interactions with Jesus uh, because what she had was a great encounter. What she had was a great conversation. But the subject of our text today, Mary Magdalene had something greater than a conversation. We want to talk about someone who had a relationship. Yes, the focus of our text today involves someone who had what you would see in the next few moments of the message or great similarities perhaps between the woman at the well and Mary Magdalene. But you would see how a relationship lasts forever. See, the difference is a relationship, right, good relationship, sticks with you through thick and thin. A relationship is not just when you're given water that you'll never thirst again. A relationship is that when you need water, somebody is there to help quench your thirst. I should know it. And a whole lot of people, I'm telling you, I've, I, I have ministered and helped so many people that I wonder where are they when I needed them the most. 
There are, there are people that you pour into their lives and you are there when they go through trials and tribulation and you are there when they go through the fire. But when you go through the fire, you look around and you say, where are the nine? Because it never was a relationship. It was an encounter and conversations, but it never was a relationship. Mary Magdalene, the focus of our text this morning. Mary Magdalene is best known in the New Testament as being a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. The key word in this statement is the word faithful. Somebody say faithful. Jesus had a whole lot of followers, but Mary was a faithful followers of Jesus. Jesus had hungry followers who followed him when he divided the fish and the loaves. Uh, Jesus had people who needed a miracle and they followed him. When he raised uh, Jairus' daughter, he had people to follow him there. When he raised Lazarus from the dead, he had curious onlookers that followed him. But there's a difference when you are a faithful follower of Jesus. That means you follow during a pandemic. And the church said amen. That means you're still faithful. Pastor Lawson, people need to know in the midst of hardships and hard times. The key word is faithful. In fact, I submit to you today that there were very few, if any, of Jesus' followers that were more faithful than Mary Magdalene, including the 12 boys who were called disciples. I submit to you that many of them went on to write gospel narratives, but none of them were more faithful than Mary Magdalene. Let me share a couple examples with you to help you understand the premise of this uh, statement. She faithfully followed Jesus throughout his earthly ministry, no matter where he went or what he went through. And the church said, amen. Don't you call anybody a good friend of yours that don't faithfully stand by you through thick and thin. Find other names. Perhaps I'm glad people call them dogs. You my dog. Good. Let them be your dog, but please don't call them your friend. Because, see, a dog don't always stick by you. If you feed him, he will. But if the neighbor feed him, he, yes, he's eating out the neighbor's house. He's letting the neighbor pet them. But a friend sticks closer than a brother. Listen, Mary Magdalene faithfully followed Jesus throughout his earthly ministry. She followed him during good times, during his most painful times. Uh, she was right there. She didn't leave him after there were no more fish and loaves to give out. She didn't leave him when he stopped performing miracles. Listen, for she was one of the few who followed Jesus from the trial. You know the trial, the one that Peter denied knowing him three times. Mary Magdalene followed him to the trial. She followed him to the cross. She was there when his body was placed in a tomb. Uh, the gospel narrative tells us that there were only three women that witnessed his burial. Yes, when Joseph Amethias, Nicodemus, and others came to get his body and to bury him in that borrowed tomb, Mary Magdalene was one of the three that followed him to the grave, to the trial, to the cross, to the grave. <laughs> uh, is there anybody in your life that will follow you to the cross? Are there people 
in your ministry, people in your life that'll follow you when they hang you. Follow you when others are crucifying you. I tell folk all the time, it's good to have friends when you don't need friends, but it's better to have friends when you're going through stuff. Mary Magdalene followed Jesus through his most painful experiences. She was there at the cross. She was there when they rolled the rock, the stone in front of the tomb. And she was the first to arrive at an empty tomb on Resurrection Sunday morning. She was going just to check on his body, just to make sure that they anointed his body. Now, according also, this is important, to Luke chapter 8 and verse 3, please don't miss this. She faithfully, financially supported his ministry and the church said amen. <laughs> Pastor Mac, Pastor Willie May, Pastor Lawson and others, Lord have mercy. That's sometimes when the rubber meets the road. I said again, she faithfully as a single woman, the best to our knowledge, followed and supported Jesus financially. She and the other women, you see the text, uh, gave to the ministry. Amen. Put your money where your mouth is. Oh, pastor, I love the church. I love the ministry. I love that. But if we were to go right now to the business office, pull the roll, <laughs> will we see anything beside your name? Will, will we see $1, $5 all year long to folk who testify how blessed they are? Folk who let you know that they're riding in a brand new vehicle, got the finest clothes. Folk who spend more money on their hair and nails than they do tithe. May I preach? Should I preach? And so Mary just didn't follow Jesus with words. She put her money where her mouth was. She says, if I'm a part of this ministry, I'll give my money. I'll give everything I have. She gave Jesus the best of what she had. Text makes it clear. She was a faithful follower of Jesus. Now there are some scholars who would even suggest to us that perhaps Mary Magdalene was one of the women who washed Jesus' feet with her hair. There's some debate about that. We preached about that a couple weeks ago. Some, some would say that Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus, there are others who said that there were a couple examples with a couple different Marys. And some would suggest that one was Mary Magdalene. If that is the case, and I'm not here uh, to debate that theological argument. But if that is the case, then she followed Jesus with her worship. Not only with her money, but with her worship. Now, let me, let me review for you. Followed him when it was good. Fish and the loaves. Followed him when he was on top of his game. Raising people from the dead. Followed him when his circumstances changed. Followed him when they betrayed him. Followed him when they put him on trial. Followed him when they took him to Calvary's cross. Followed him when they pierced him in his side and blood and water ran down his side. Followed him when Joseph, let me tell you the difference between that. Can I tell you something? And I just hate to get too deep on you. I, I, I try not to get too carried away uh, with too much information. But you know what happened to people who were crucified? Rarely, Mac, you know there's something. Rarely would a crucified person be allowed for a barrier. 
And it only happened in unique circumstances. And it had to have been someone prominent from the community that will come and vouch for you and say, I need you to let me have this body because I've got, because ordinarily, listen to this, history will, 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 will bow this out. Ordinarily, a crucified body was thrown to the dogs to eat. So the thieves on each side had their bodies thrown to the dogs. But thank God for Joseph Amethia and Nicodemus and thank God for Mary Magdalene and others who was right there and said to Pontius Pilate, no, no, we can't let the dogs eat his body because they knew that there was some prophecy associated with the body of Jesus. They took him and wrapped him in a burial garment and buried him in Joseph's tomb and put the rock to the tomb. And who was there? Mary Magdalene. Mary from Magdalene. Mary from the seaside shore community of fishermen was right there every step of the way. Now all of these things, may I preach, should I preach, can I preach? All of these things are good things. And if I was to end this sermon right there, you would get a good message about Mary. But all of these things are not as impressive as what appears in our text. However, perhaps the most impressive thing about Mary is found in verse 2 of our text. I told you she followed him. She gave to him. She was right there. Perhaps she washed uh, his feet with her hair. But let me tell you about this Mary. Verse 2 says, and among them were Mary Magdalene, and here is the part, from whom he had cast out not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, but somebody shout seven, seven demons. Look at this woman's past. Here is a woman who had seven demons. Now again, excuse me, I don't want to go all deep on you, but I got to share something with you. Uh, demonic possession in first century Palestine was sometimes equated to psychological disorders. Go with me. When somebody said you had a demon, it doesn't necessarily always meant you, you had one of the exorcist experience where some audible voice would come out of your throat and says, get away from me. Maybe that happened, but normally demonic possession in first century Palestine represented psychological disorders. Can I preach this? So here is Mary Magdalene that the experts said was all messed up. She had seven psychological disorders. Uh, she was bipolar, perhaps. Schizophrenic, perhaps. Paranoid, perhaps. Uh, maybe she had all other kind of things going on in her life. But let me make you shout. It really did not matter to Jesus. Oh, I wish I had a church in here. If I had a church, Brother Zion, we would play some shouting music right now and say, it really did not matter to Jesus. Jesus said, I don't care about your disorder. I don't care about your sociological, psychological, paranoid schizophrenic. I don't care if you hear things. I don't care if you talk to yourself. I don't care what you've been through. 
I see the best in you. And I'm about to break some chains that have been holding you down. And Mary, the best of you is about to come out. Somebody say, get ready, 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 get ready. Seven demons, seven personalities, seven psychological issues. Woo! She wasn't a woman of high society. Woo! She wasn't a woman of the links or sororities, and God knows I respect and admire sororities and fraternities, all that they do. But she wasn't a part of that. Uh, she would not have been invited to be a part of the Garden Club. <laughs> Can I preach? She would not have been invited to be a part of the high society. Her kids, if she had any, wouldn't have been in Jack and Jill. She would not have been invited to come and sip tea (laughs) Uh, with the upper echelon of the town of Magden, the seaside community of Galilee. But what she had, she had a validator that was greater than anybody who can validate you. She had one person that was on her side and say, I look beyond your faults and I see what you can be. Somebody ought to give God a praise for looking beyond what we used to be. Somebody ought to praise him. Somebody ought to give God your best. I got to go. My time is up. (laughs) However, the most distinguishable thing, ah, the most incredible thing, the most amazing thing about Mary Magdalene's testimony was that God had to look through the pages of time and find one person to tell everybody that Jesus had risen from the grave. He had his choice of anybody in first century Palestine. God needed one witness to go tell the boys that Jesus had risen from the dead. And God looked down through the pages of time and put his finger on Mary Magdalene and said, go tell everybody else that I am not dead. I am alive. She became the first messenger of the resurrected Christ. I mean the woman who had seven demons. The woman who had seven demons became the first to carry the resurrection message. Look at what John 20 and 18 says. Mary Magdalene (laughs) found the disciples. Stop right there. I wish I had time to preach. My time is up. That means she had to go look for them. That means they weren't looking for Jesus. Mary looked for them. If they had any faith, all of them would have been hanging out at the tomb three days after the crucifixion because Jesus said, after three days, I'll rise again. But Mary Magdalene, look at the text, found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. Oh, yes. Oh, this woman who was once possessed with seven demons. Yes, this woman who perhaps had seven psychological disorders mm, became the first to share the good news of the resurrected Christ. Somebody say, but God, what a testimony. 
But God takes somebody that was a castaway, takes somebody that perhaps nobody else wanted. And God says, Mary Magdalene, Mary from the town of Magdala, you are my woman. You are my messenger. Ooh, I need somebody to carry the good news. <laughs> Ooh, not Peter, not James, not John, not their ambitious mother who wanted them to sit on the right and the left hand side. But Mary, I choose you. Ooh. <laughs> uh, Twelve times, listen to this, I promise you, I'm going to throw out too many other facts. Twelve times in the Gospels, she's mentioned. Not once in the epistles. <laughs> Paul and the boys didn't think enough to talk about her. <laughs> but Jesus, ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Twelve times in the Gospels. More than the other disciples. More than, listen, Matthew Henry says this, more than any other woman in the Bible. <laughs> we hear about Mary Magdalene, out of whom he delivered seven demons. Somebody says seven demons. You think God is trying to tell us something? <laughs> you think God is trying to tell us what kind of people he likes? You think God is trying to tell us what kind of people he would use? Ooh, listen, close this message. I want to share with you real briefly, put it on the board. Three important insights, key insights from this message that I want you to remember all week long. Number one, the Lord loves everyone. Don't forget this. The Lord loves everyone, regardless of who they may be. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The key lesson in the testimony of Mary Magdalene is God loves everyone. <laughs> Insight number two. Insight number two in this powerful testimony of Mary Magdalene that we can glean from her relationship with the Lord is that the Lord can change anyone. Number one, God loves everyone. Number two, God can change anyone regardless of their past experiences. Seven demons, seven psychological disorders. <laughs> and yet God says, I choose you. God changed her. <laughs> God made her a different person. And here's the third and the final key insight taken from Mary Magdalene's experience and relationship with the Lord. The Lord not only loves everyone, the Lord not only can change anyone I love the best, the Lord can use anyone. When you see me walking right, when you see me talking right, it is God using. He uses my hands to do the working with. Listen, I told the church this morning at 8, this whole foundation of this ministry, Bible Way Church of Atlas Road, was built on the backs of rejects. And when I say that, no insult to them at all, because they all were very fine and wonderful people. But they weren't the kind of people... <laughs> that the high society people invited to come over and 
let's fellowship together. Ooh. It was built ooh, on the foundation of people who love the Lord. And the first and the founding pastor of this church was somebody who had been a high school dropout and went back and got a GED and left home at 17 to join the racetrack, uh, defying the objection of his dying mother, and returned home a few years later only to discover that his mother had died and he never saw her again. Someone who, out of his own omission, admits that he was on drugs and he had a life that was not to be emulated by anyone at the time. But I'm so glad that God can use anyone. I'm so glad that Bishop A.C. Jackson and others became the Mary Magdalene's of their day. So glad that God found other people who came from remote rural areas of South Carolina, like St. Matthew's and other places, and brought them to this ministry and helped to build what we have today. And so when you hear me talking highly of ordinary people, it is not because I have a disdain for people who have wealth and have great accomplishments. I just have a passion for ordinary, hardworking people who love the Lord so much that they faithfully follow him through thick and thin. God sent people from Buford by way of Fort Jackson. God sent people from Charleston and other places. God sent them from all over. God says, you become my army. People whose chains have been broken. God says, I am building an army of those who are going to go out and tell what the Lord can do in their lives. And as a result, today, 57 years later, we stand on the foundation on a campus with over 130 acres. On a campus today that had nothing that's now worth millions and millions of dollars, not because any of us were so good, it was because God chose a Mary Magdalene to be his messenger. He's still choosing. Praise and worship team, young adult praise team, Sister Michelle and others are coming with a powerful song that Tasha Cobb Leonard wrote. There's power in the name of Jesus. I'm looking someone in the eyes right now and say it really doesn't matter what you used to be. It really doesn't matter what other people think of you. You may not have been one of the select. You may not have been chosen to be a part of certain circles. But God has broken your chains. Ooh. And God is building an army of people that will go out and turn the world upside down. So wherever you are right now, pause for a moment. And if you're in a position to stop what you're doing and to stand on your feet in your living room, in your den outside, and just lift those hands right now as we declare there's power in the name of Jesus. You can be the next Mary Magdalene. God wants to use you right now. Come on, right here. Lift those hands right there now. There is power oh, yeah. in the name <laughs> of Jesus. <laughs> there is power yeah, yeah. in the name of Jesus. Ooh. 
Break every chain. Break it, Break Lord. every chain. Break it, Lord. Break yeah. every chain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To break every chain. Break it, Lord, right break now. Break every chain. Save somebody right break now, Lord. Uh, alcoholism, there break it, Lord, right now. Ooh, drug addiction, break it right now, Lord. God's doing something right now. Ooh, right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's an army rising up. Send your army, Lord. There's an army. Yeah. There's an army. Thank you, Lord. I want to be in your army, Lord. Yeah, yeah. There's an army. Yeah. someone listening to me viewing this service right now and you have been oppressed and depressed and you are burdened by your own personal demons and we took the time to share with you what demons usually were in first century Palestine they weren't always devils with tails and pitchforks Oftentimes, there were psychological disorders that people said you had a demon. Mary Magdalene had seven. Whew. Please listen to me. Not one, not two, not four, five, six. She had seven demons that God delivered her from them all. So I've got a word for 2020 alcoholism. You're not too strong for God. Ooh. I've got a word for 2020 drug addiction. You're not too powerful for God. I've got a word for everybody who's going through whatever you're going through right now. It is not too much Ooh. for God. God can break the chains. Ooh. God can use you. 
just like Mary Magdalene, just like Andrew Charles Jackson, who became the pastor of Bible Way, just like others who have done incredible things all over this world, God says you're not excluded because of your past. You are often chosen because of your past. <laughs> I, because God knew this one thing about Mary Magdalene, she would be faithful. <laughs> God knew that it took more than a crucifixion to shake her faith. <laughs> took more than a burial to shake her faith. And when God breaks your chains, God will use you in a mighty way. Pick up the phone, call that number on the screen. To those of you that are listening by way of radio, the number is 888-776-1238. 888-776-1238. Come on, pick up the phone right now as the team sing again just before we pray right now. Come on, call right now. Break it, Lord. to close your eyes, lift your hands. Remember these three things. The Lord loves everyone regardless of who they may be. Remember that the Lord can change anyone regardless of their past experiences. And remember this, the Lord can use anyone regardless of what others may think of them. Lord, we thank you, we bless you, we honor you. We thank you this day. We thank you for once again challenging and encouraging us to see others as you see them. I thank you, Lord. Others may have seen a demonically possessed woman, but you saw an evangelist. You saw someone who could carry the gospel message. Thank you for Mary Magdalene. I thank you even for those seven demons that you delivered her from. Thank you, Lord, because there are some of us here today. We've wrestled with our own demons. We are wrestling with our own demons. But you can help. You can save. You can deliver right now. Nothing is too hard for you. Some young man whose family is falling apart, you're sitting there with tears streaming down your face. Some young lady who's wondering, how would I ever make it? There's a word from the Lord to you that the Lord is about to break the chains. What has held you back has been your unwillingness to recognize that God can do it. Ooh. Because when you come to the realization that God is stronger than your addiction, God is greater than your habit, God is more powerful than your situation, then God will move in your life and break the chain. Lord, we thank you. Someone who needs to be saved, Lord, we thank you. Do it right now. Help them call this number right now and give their lives to you, Lord. For we know that you're more than willing, that you want to transform their lives. This is our prayer. We ask in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Whoever you are, say amen. Come on, call that number right now, right now. Yeah, yeah. 
Praise team sings softly. Let me, before we pronounce the benediction, again, thank you so much for your faithfulness in your giving to this ministry and to ministries all across the world. For one of the things that stands out about Mary Magdalene, I shared with you in that chapter in Luke, she was also faithful in her giving. Because of your faithfulness in two weeks, we are going to burn this mortgage. We're going to do what only God could help us do. It was about 20 years ago that we set out on a mission to make a difference in this community. God says, buy every dilapidated home that was boarded up. God says, even if you don't need it, go buy it. God says, change a community. Build houses in this community. Build a senior citizen village in this community. Build a drugstore and a grocery store in this community. And we're well on our way to do that. Not only are we going to burn the mortgage in two weeks, but we're very close to making the grand announcement and unveiling the plans of what's called the village at Congaree Point a senior citizen retirement village, a place where people could go, a place where people could live. It is not because we are so great. It is because God used some Mary Magdalene's. It is because God says, I use you because you're willing and you're faithful. Now to those of you who have not given, you can do it right here today. And to those of you who said, Pastor Jackson, I don't have an extra $500. I understand that. And trust me, I can sympathize and empathize with you. But here's what you can do. Whatever you can do, you can do. The truth be told, this ministry was not founded upon people who can write big checks. This ministry was founded on people like a mother, Idella Thompson, a widow who lived in a place called Sugar Hill in Arthurtown, who had a little store that she had to open every day just so she can keep bread on the table. And my dad tells this story. She had a jar in that store that would be behind the counter. And every 10 cents, well, the first 10 cents of every day that came in that store, Mother Idella Thompson took that 10 cent, put it in the jar, and brought it to the house of God. So when you see the story of Bible Way, the story of Bible Way is not from people who can stroke big checks, not from people who give to have their names placed on windows and stones and buildings named after them. Those people... Their names are on those buildings because of their faithfulness. But we were founded on the principle of giving a little that would go a long ways. And so I would never, ever get away from that and will always cherish the least of these and the little you can give. And if it's $1, $2, or if it's 10 cents in a jug, let me tell you how the story ends, and thank you for your patience. My dad tells me this. And Mother Thompson would come to the church, Pastor Lawson and Matt, and she would have a jar full of dimes. And Dad said, he would say to Mother Thompson, no, we can't take that. Your husband died. You have no Social Security. You, you need to keep this to live by. And this woman with arthritis going through her bodies, this woman who can barely make it, said, Pastor, don't stop my blessing. 
God told me that I'll be blessed if I can just bless somebody else. And today her picture hangs in the hallway of the Bible Way Church of Atlas Road. Today her name is printed in all of the chronicles of the history of the Bible Way Church of Atlas Road. An elderly woman who gave a dime a day to make sure that we are where we are today. Thank you, Mother Thompson. Thank you for your faithfulness. And if God can use you, God can use anyone. Doesn't take much. Just text and give, give, because every name of anyone who gives anything towards this faith offering for the last five years, your names would be placed in that time capsule. We're not going to forget the sacrifices that Deacon Chip Jackson made, Deacon Johnny Thompson made, many others who've gone on to be with the Lord. We aren't going to forget the sacrifices of Mother English and Deacon English and Mother Lord and Mother Lord and Akers and Thompson and all of them. But here's what God said to me. God says, we have to do our part. I can't just live and pastor on Bishop Jackson's legacy. I've got to leave a legacy for the next generation. And that generation has to leave one for the next generation. So let us do what God has called us to do. And when we celebrate, when we cut the ribbon on a drugstore on Bluff Road for the first time in the history of that community, we can say, but God. Thank you for being a part of that. Join us again on Tuesday night at 7 o'clock, next Sunday at 7 and 11. As the praise team tell us, come on and worship with us. Break every chain. Yeah, yeah. There is power. There's power. grace of God and the sweet communion of his Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide with us now tomorrow and forevermore. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Wherever you are, say amen. Remember these two words, seven demons. Seven demons, and God used her, and the church said amen. God bless you. Thank you. We'd like to thank all of you for tuning in. If you desire prayer, please call 1-888-776-1238. There are many safe, secure, and easy ways to give to Bible Way Church of Atlas Road. Online giving is available to members and guests through my connections at bwcar.org. You can choose to give through your bank, checking, debit, or savings account, or via our mobile giving app by texting BWCAR along with your giving amount to 73256. You can mail your check to P.O. Box 90309, Columbia, South Carolina, 29290. Please do not mail cash. Financial donations will be accepted at the church on Tuesdays from 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. If you feel as if this service was a blessing to you, please be sure to share with your family and friends. For additional announcements and for more information, please be sure to visit our website at bwcar.org. High Five is a faith-based, nonpartisan voter participation project. Our mission is to conduct nonpartisan voter mobilization and participation among registered voters to maximize voter turnout. 
We want to encourage all registered voters to each find five people who are already registered to vote. Make sure that they receive and turn in their absentee ballot. Participate in early voting or get to the polls to cast their vote for November 3rd, 2020. In July 2016, during her stunning convention speech, Michelle Obama coined a phrase that continues to resonate with so many Americans. When they go... As we move closer to November 3rd, we want to ensure that we increase voter turnout. There is no need for constant rhetoric, trickery, or mudslinging. This is a simple pledge campaign based on taking the high road and getting the work done. What work? The work of maximizing voter turnout. High Five is an effort to go high by emphasizing the simplicity of helping each other and creating a level of accountability among voters. Let's review. Find five people. Make sure that all five vote by assisting them in securing and turning in their absentee ballot to help them to participate in early voting options or by physically taking them to the polls between 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. on Tuesday, November 3rd, 2020. For more information about these options, visit scvotes.org.